Namaste, Sat Nam. Greetings. Welcome to A Thousand Serious Moves with Amanda Holstein. This is a comedic podcast about mysticism and spirituality. I am your host, Amanda Holstein. Did I already say that? Hello, welcome. Today is Monday, March 1st. Today is my second day to be without marijuana. So on the last episode, I was musing and contemplating over whether or not I am an addict because I like to get high. I mentioned that I have been praying about it, which sounds like something that an addict wouldn't do. It doesn't seem like an addict would be already praying about whether or not they are an addict. And where I've landed so far in this contemplation over the past, I don't know, five or six days, is that if there were to be a line that separates an addict from a non-addict, I would have just like a little toe on that line because I've heard in some meetings that we don't become an addict overnight and I do have addictive tendencies I mean keep me away from the vape like I would love to be able to buy a vape and to just casually hit that shit like I don't know, once or twice, you know, and then a couple hours, maybe hit it again. But when I have a vape, I just want to suck down all that juice, so to speak. And when I buy cigarettes, they don't make me feel good. I'm better off without them. And yet when I have a pack, I can't seem to quit. And I'm always craving Adderall. That fun high. Remember remember when things used to be fun before they weren't? One reason I had to stop taking Adderall was because um, I started getting a lot of pain in my upper back and in my knee. I would stay up all night and work on art, you know, Just trying to be good enough, really. That's what Adderall was kind of about for me, was just trying to have that leg up over the competition. And I think also my relationship with psychedelics kind of became like that too. Where, so the first time I took acid, do y'all want to hear a story about the first time that I took acid? Allegedly. So I was living in New York. I was probably 24. I had been in therapy about three years. And um, I had started going to therapy because my dad died the day after I left to go to school in New York. And so when I was at school, I had insurance. And so I got to start seeing a therapist. And turns out she... um, studied under Timothy Leary 
at Harvard. She wasn't, I don't think she studied with him directly, but I think she had him as a professor or he was like in the department when she was there. And so she was familiar with psychedelics um, for therapeutic purposes, but she never, ever, ever, never condoned it, never encouraged me to do it ever. It just, if I would talk about it, she'd be like, hmm, you know? And so I had only started smoking pot maybe not even a year before that. And when I started smoking marijuana, it was really a huge relief for me because I my dad had died and I was in school and I was on Adderall, Zoloft, and Xanax. And they really those pills really helped me get through those two years at school. And then I had a friend that gave me some weed and I was, I was like 23 or 24 the first time that I smoked weed. And uh, it helped me so much that I was able to get off Xanax. And uh, it helped me so much that I was able to start weaning off of the Zoloft. And I still took the Adderall because I liked it. And I used to have an eating disorder. So I liked that Adderall kept me thin without having to count calories or binge and purge. And so I was about 23 on Adderall, smoking weed, and um, managed to get my hands on some acid. I had another friend who studied psychology at Columbia, and he and I would talk about, you know, using psychedelics for therapeutic purposes. And so I managed to get my hands on some acid and uh, was like, I had read Cosmic Trigger by Robert Anton Wilson and was very interested in, you know, mind altering recovery. And so, so I decided to take this acid. It was during the summer and I was able to leave work around noon. It was like a Wednesday. And I lived up in Inwood, which is like 200th and Dykeman, at the very top of Manhattan, right before the Bronx. I love that neighborhood. I lived on Seaman Avenue. And so just about half a mile from my apartment, there was like a little beach. They had like a little dock and they had um, like a literally like a little sand beach that you could go to. So I was like, oh, perfect. I'm going to take this acid and I'm going to go to this little beach and like hang out. And so I did. I took my dog Toops to this little beach and there was, you know, there were a bunch of Dominican guys there and I was so oblivious. This is really before my eyes were opened. And so I was like hanging out there. I don't even know how long, but the acid started to kick in. And they were playing some reggaeton or something like that. And one of the, they were all older guys, kind of. There's a range of age. Oh, shit. I'm realizing that I'm about to blow up their spot. So, though nowadays they're probably all gone. And probably the NYPD is already aware of this situation. So anyway, so they're playing reggaeton. They're all like hanging out. I don't even think, like, why are all these Dominican guys hanging out on this beach on, like, a Wednesday at noon, you know? I'm just like, this is New York. People do whatever the fuck they want, meaning <clears throat> drugs. So 
so I was like there and then this guy starts he wants to dance so I'm like all right sure I'll dance with you random Dominican guy and um so we kind of start dancing and then I kind of like become a little friendly with them and one guy starts like feeding my dog like way too much bread and I'm like okay that's enough bread and then the acid starts kicking in and they start passing around this fat blunt which I wanted anyway, but I definitely felt like I needed to hit it, you know? And so, so I hit that shit and then I was high and on acid. And, um, this one guy, he's an older guy. He starts showing me photos of his baby. And, um, and then I see the baby as like a snowflake and, uh, I kind of start to get teary eyed about that, um, you know, this precious little snowflake baby. And then here I am on acid and I kind of start to cry. And one of the guys there, I look up and he's like not having it. And then I see his tattoo is like a skull that's like the Statue of Liberty. It's got like the crown on it, but it's like a skull. And then all of a sudden I get that vibe and realize, oh shit, these guys are drug dealers and I'm over here blowing up their spot. And so when I start getting teary eyed and I see the guy's tattoo come alive and he's not having it, I'm just like grab all my shit. And I was just like, okay, bye. And then I see like at the entrance of the beach, there's like all these workers lined up and they were like waiting for me to leave so that they could buy weed. And I was like, freak the fuck out. The acid is like starting to really hit And so then I start walking back to my apartment and then like the whole world becomes glitter. And then I start bawling my eyes out like everything that I had been working on in therapy for those three years, like starts to come together in that one moment. And then these two people walk by as I'm like crying hysterically on my way back home and I yell at them and I, they look at me and I yell at them and I say, yeah, I'm having a moment, which felt really liberating. And then it felt like the walk back home was like a journey, right? Which I guess is why they call it tripping. And so I get home and I start journaling And all of these realizations about my childhood and there's like so much anxiety is finally released for like the first time I like wake up and like the fear starts to diminish and the pit in my stomach that I had always felt and didn't know that it was possible to not feel that way. And then I realized, Oh, that's why I am the way that I am because my mom was controlling and my dad was an addict and I've been afraid and I've been manipulated and I haven't been in control of my own mind. I've been programmed. And so the LSD in combination with three years of therapy twice a week, finally everything started to make sense.
I called my therapist. I called other people. I journaled. I swore to never go back to that beach again. And it was a beautiful experience. And then it was, oh, and then after that, I was able to get off Zoloft completely. And so I just smoked weed. And then about six months later, I decided it was time to try mushrooms because you can't really take mushrooms if you're on an SSRI. You're not going to get the full effect. They say that same thing with acid, but I can tell you based on my experience, though obviously I'm not a doctor and this is not condoning. This is just my experience. I was able to take acid while on an SSRI, a very low dose. But mushrooms, um, I was off the Zoloft when I took mushrooms. And that's when I realized that I was an artist and that I had been an artist all along and that I had no clue because that was never, I just thought I was weird because I came from this weird chaotic family. I didn't know that I actually had taste and that I could have fun. And so I just started throwing paint on the wall. I just started trying things. The mushrooms gave me so much courage and got me out of my head. And they gave me such freedom to finally be like set free from just the oppression of programming and just feeling so powerless and like I was nobody. I didn't even know who I was. And so after I took mushrooms for the first time, I realized that there's a lot of really good and beautiful things about me. And so when I started taking mushrooms, I actually was able to get off the Adderall too. And I lived pretty clean and sober with the exception of marijuana, but... I didn't even really drink that much. I was able to like, I didn't even want to drink anymore. But you know, social pressures and just going out. And so I would still drink, but I always knew that it didn't serve me. And so I had an ongoing relationship with mushrooms and acid after that. And they helped me a lot. And so did the weed. And, um, I don't know, suddenly I feel like I need to tell a joke. But I don't really have one off the top of my head, so. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so, anyway. So, then there was probably a year or so when I didn't really take anything when I was doing Abermelon. And, um... So anyway, so this past year, really, okay, so I finished Abermelon in 2019, and then in 2020, I had, um, I went through that breakup, and um, we kind of do a little bit of substance here and there to just kind of help take the edge off, but I guess... There's a lot of 
factors that are at play in terms of our relationship with psychedelics. And so sometimes I would try to chase that same high, but I wasn't the same person that I was the first time I got that high. I had already had the realization that I was an artist. And so what further realizations did I really need to have? And so this year I took mushrooms once in January and had apocalyptic visions about all this shit that's going on. I saw the serpent and then I freaked out and then I drove to a place that has AA meetings and something about that place told me that that was the safe place for me to go when I was tripping. It's like, I don't want to go to the cops and I don't want to go to a church. So where's a safe place for me to go? AA. They were closed. But I managed to come across a, a man, a black man, with gold teeth and bloodshot eyes that were so caring and compassionate. And he told me a safe place that I could go. Because I told him that I thought that I had started the apocalypse. And in a way, he kind of knew what I was talking about, which was that I needed help. And so I drove and found this place with a bunch of recovering meth addicts. And there is something really strange about being there on mushrooms around all these meth addicts. And then, long story short, I made it through the trip. But it didn't scare me away enough. I just thought it was because of the planetary alignments of that particular day. And so about two or three weeks ago, I decided to trip again because I thought that taking mushrooms would help me finish the book that I'm writing. I thought that taking mushrooms would take away all the fear and make me perfect finally. And so I took mushrooms again about three weeks ago and had the same apocalyptic visions. I saw the serpent and I began to hiss. And then I was reminded of a lyric by Chance the Rapper that he says, I get my word from the sermon I do not talk to the serpent. But in that moment, I wasn't in control. I was afraid. And so I unplugged all electronics. I threw my router into the neighbor's yard. I threw my computer into the neighbor's yard. I took my phone and I buried it in mud. I had never had a trip that was quite so bad as that first and then that second one. And it really fucked me up. And so it was like a week and then two weeks where I felt like I needed to do some like spiritual purification. 
some fasting or prayer or a ritual bath, cutting out social media, I felt like I needed to atone. And a Christian might say, well, Christ has already atoned for our sins. But I do think that sometimes we need to do the work. And so it's not all done for us. Taking mushrooms doesn't perfect me. And even just saying Christ has atoned for me doesn't take away the trauma. And then I remembered that there's a program that I have already. 12 steps and 12 traditions. And that enlightenment doesn't just come from a trip. And there's no way that I'll ever be perfect in this life. Whatever that means. Because I'm human. And I'm perfectly flawed. And I gotta put some boots on the ground. I gotta do the work myself. I gotta wake up and surrender. I gotta pray. I gotta journal. I gotta call a friend. I gotta call a therapist. I gotta call a sponsor. I gotta read the Bible. I gotta do yoga. I gotta go for a walk. I gotta drink a smoothie. I gotta drink water. I gotta meditate. I gotta breathe and hold my dog. I need to put lotion on my body and brush my hair. I need to floss my teeth and put on makeup. I need to put on clean clothes and clean my house. These are all spiritual acts that I cannot bypass by a mushroom trip or a DMT trip. So I feel a little bit of power running through me today. My second day without substance, without anything, unless you count coffee and cream and a little bit of chocolate. I don't know if I'm an addict, but I know that the answers aren't gonna come from outside me or something that I ingest, that there's a daily moment-to-moment work that I have to do. If I want to find peace and serenity, if I want to be a useful member of society, what's the point of taking mushrooms just to make myself feel better? Am I working in service? Or am I living out of self-will? And it's okay that mushrooms and LSD and DMT and marijuana and Adderall have all helped me in their appropriate times. But what worked yesterday 
might not work today. And so I need a whole toolbox. I need a tool belt. I need a whole goddamn shed full of tools where I live and work. This is my calling. To live in service and to surrender my will. It's no longer about shortcuts or trying to be better or comparing myself to others when they tell of all the fun that they're having. It's none of my fucking business how much fun other people are pretending to have. I will no longer compare my insides to somebody else's outsides. guess that's all I really wanted to share for today besides to get to the psalm and before I do if you enjoy this podcast leave a review on iTunes a positive review I'm currently taking a break from social media so please share this podcast with your friends via text or social media Facebook Instagram a thousand serious moves You can also support this podcast by subscribing to my Patreon at patreon.com slash ATSM. Or you can purchase art from my Etsy shop at etsy.com slash shop slash Haniel777. That's H-A-N-A-E-L-777. So thank you. Ding dong. And now... We are at Psalm 140. According to the fourth appendix of the sixth and seventh books of Moses, also known as the Sefer Shemush Telem, Psalm 140, praying this psalm is said to be a powerful means to remove growing hatred between a man and a wife. So if the hatred is starting to grow and you can feel those resentments already starting to fuck up your life, then pray Psalm 140. Thank you. Enjoy. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their hearts. They continually gather together for war. They sharpen their tongues like a serpent. The poison of asps is under their lips, Selah. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from violent men who have proposed to make my steps stumble. The proud have hidden a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set traps for me. Selah. I said to the Lord, You are my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. 
Do not grant, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Do not further his wicked scheme, lest they be exalted. Selah. As for the head of those who surround me, let the evil of their lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire, into deep pits, that they rise not up again. Let not a slanderer be established in the earth. Let evil hunt the violent man to overthrow him. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright shall dwell in your presence.